Hello and welcome to this Gateway House podcast. I am Samir Patil, National Security Fellow at Gateway House. Uh, today we have a very special guest, Ellen Lebson. She is a Distinguished Fellow and President Emeritus at the Washington DC-based think tank Stimson Center. And she has a very extensive experience working with the US uh, government. So Ellen, uh, welcome. Thank uh, you, Samir. Uh, Ellen is going to talk about the, the U.S. relations with Iran and the entire nuclear deal which has uh, t- taken place. Ellen, I want to get a little bit of understanding about, you know, that now th- that is Iran open for business? Is that, is that what I want to know about? So, thank you. Well, first, I think that the um, achievement of the agreement between the members of the U.N. Security Council and Ger- with Germany as an extra partner and Iran is a quite important achievement. Um, it really does bring... Uh, Iran back in compliance with its non-proliferation obligations and it creates the opportunity once sanctions uh, in the future will be lifted for Iran to resume more robust economic relations with a number of countries including India. I should say that we're not yet there yet. We're in what's called uh, on October 18th the adoption day uh, occurred which was the 90-day milestone after the signing of the agreement but full implementation, which would trigger the lifting of all of the sanctions that are affected by Iran's nuclear activities, um, doesn't happen until sometime in the future. The burden is now on Iran to prepare all these facilities for the full implementation of the agreement. The United States this week extended some of the temporary waivers it gave, so to allow some Iranian financial institutions to kind of continue to uh, finance transactions related to medicine and transportation and et cetera, those uh, waivers have been extended through implementation. Uh, Other countries have also done whatever they needed to do legislatively, but the actual uh, hit the send button doesn't occur until implementation, which could be uh, sometime in early 2016. Um, India and Iran, I assume, will resume or perhaps expand the economic relationship they had. But in all these cases, there are other external factors that will affect how their trade relations develop. Um, The low price of oil, for example, may delay how much investment in Iran's oil oil and gas sector there will be from Western oil companies who will have to calculate um, how much the investment would cost. So some of the things um, that, in theory, are going to be possible once the sanctions are lifted um, will also be affected by other market realities, the um, other external economic factors. That may also be true of the Iran-India relationship. Uh, there's a lot of talk saying that you know that uh, at a time when the, the United States and the European Union hardened their stance towards Iran, China was the one which actually stepped in it with, by broadening the econ- commercial and economic engagement with Iran. And now the people are saying that with this deal, China is the one which will benefit the most out of this deal in terms of the economic relation. What is your view on that? Well, I think China has identified Iran as a country of great strategic importance. Um, Iran, I mean, I know that China um, worries about um, Muslim political instability in parts of its own country. It does not want Iran to be um, 
stimulating or influencing um, the behavior of, of Chinese Muslims. So they have a complicated, it's, it's geopolitics, it's a mix of domestic and international interests that China has, and China clearly has looked to Iran as well as to Saudi Arabia to be a major energy supplier to China. So, you know, there's a deep interest on China's part in being one of Iran's trading partners. I don't see China as trying to replace necessarily the West. I think Iran is, a, after all, the Iranians pride themselves on being an Indo-European country. They, um, I think, have a very deep attachment to being accepted by the West uh, and being seen as a... So I don't expect, from Iran's perspective, for them to see China as their new best friend. Um, I think they will try to balance their relations with both West and East. And looking at the geopolitical side, how do you foresee U.S.-Iran cooperation in terms of battling the ISIS or also in terms of dealing with the challenge in Syria? So this is a little bit tricky. I think the Obama administration has been very careful to say that negotiating the nuclear agreement was an end in of itself. It was a standalone transaction. It was not formally linked uh, in any way to any expectations of changing Iran's behavior on other matters or of uh, engaging Iran, etc. But we've already seen that Iran is now, for example, included in uh, talks that are coming up in Vienna on Syria. That was probably thanks to the Russians. So new things may be possible. We've been uh, observing for quite some time that Iran's uh, interests are, are not dissimilar to the U.S. interests in batting back ISIS and the Iraqis are reporting that the Iranians are actually doing more than the U.S. is to help them combat the Islamic State. So there will be these opportunities to see our interests as, you know, perhaps parallel, perhaps converging. But right now, I don't see the political space or the political interest in Washington to rush into any um, more open cooperation with Iran on matters beyond the nuclear agreement. I think that for us, the real uh, stake right now is making sure that the nuclear agreement is successfully implemented. So it's still early days. The chaos in the Middle East, of course, has created some you know, unexpected alignments of Iranian interests and American interests, but I think it will fall short of anything that looks like formal cooperation. There is, you know, the absence of trust is still a very big issue in U.S.-Iran relations. Ellen, thank you very much. Uh, so that's it for this episode of GH Podcast. Please do join us for the next time. Thank you. Mm -hmm.